the trophy is no longer for those who have completely exhausted themselves. Like there's no honor in that, really. It used to be, but we now know better. And so we have to do better. This is a little nugget of happiness wisdom from today's guest, Kim Strobel. This is episode three of the Burned and Teacher podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Burned and Teacher podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Hey, Burned In Teachers. I'm so excited to introduce you to Kim Strobel. She is a teacher, an education consultant, a motivational speaker, and what I'm really excited to learn more about her is that she is a happiness coach. In her 20 years of professional experience, she has partnered with teachers and students at all levels to implement innovative and inspirational practices in the classroom increase academic achievement, and create positive school-wide climates. She also loves to empower people all over the country to live empowered lives. She is a very sought-after presenter and speaker, and I'm so, so lucky to have her on the podcast today. She and I also have in common that she's a diehard runner, so we'll have to talk about that a little bit if we have time. And she's an advocate for her community's abandoned animals, of which she's rescued 107 of as of today. She and her husband, Scott, uh, live here in Indiana, and uh, they have four children, two grandchildren, and four fur babies. So welcome to the podcast, Kim. I'm so, so excited to talk with you today. Thank you, Amber. I I have to admit, I'm kind of buzzing all over just knowing we both kind of share this contagious energy. So I am ready to dive in and and discuss these very important topics. So I have some questions for you. I've been doing a little bit of research on you, but can you tell us a little bit? I mean, I know I kind of gave you the introduction, but could you please tell us a little bit about how you became a happiness coach? Well, I was of course, in the classroom for a number of years, and then definitely um, kind of had that leadership quality and dove into being a literacy coordinator for grades K through 12, um, which was a wonderful experience because what that did is it forced me to go in and teach at the kindergarten level all the way up to grade 12 AP Chem levels. And so I really got to see what teaching looks like at all of those grade levels. From there, I became a curriculum director and and had done some consulting as well, kind of intermixed in there. And that's where I think I just really found like what I call my my zone of genius, like where I felt really just that I was on a mission to support and empower educators because they inspire our students. And so that's kind of the quick professional background from me as an educator. Mm -hmm. Now you may want to know how in the world I came to be the happiness coach. I'm so curious. Please tell me. (laughs) So right now, you know, I travel across the state, across the country. I give a lot of professional development to schools, but then I also do a lot of motivational speaking. So, you know, the back to school keynotes or even uh, keynotes throughout the school year that are just really meant to help 
teachers live their very best lives. And it's funny because I'll be standing on a stage of, you know, a thousand or 2000 people in the crowd and they kind of see this woman up there and she's giving this talk. And then it's when I start to share this other story that I think really kind of gets them, which is I am the girl who struggled for a big part of my life and lived in a lot of darkness. I was always like a very anxious child. I had that nervous energy. Um, and what happened was when I was about 16 and a half, I developed full-blown panic disorder. At the time, they did not know that that's what it was because we weren't you know, well-versed in anxiety disorders and they misdiagnosed me as having a seizure disorder. And long story short, this kind of vivacious spirit that I had began to get really enclosed because I, I was having intense panic episodes every day, all day long. And the only way I knew to deal, deal with that was to just continue to kind of close my life off. And so, you know, if I had a panic attack in Walmart, well, then I was just no longer going to go to Walmart. And it, it got so bad and so dark and so dismal in my life that I really struggled to get through every five minutes of my day. Um, going, getting in my car and driving to work was a battle. Walking to my mailbox was a battle. And so I really had this inner struggle because inside was this very vivacious young girl who was ready to go out and greet the world. But yet in my mind, I thought I was just crazy because out of nowhere, I felt this intense fear. And you know how, Amber, sometimes I think like our struggles and the darkest times in our lives are actually what kind of catapult us into exactly where we're supposed to go, right? Absolutely. And that's where this, you know, the whole idea for Burned In Teacher came I was in such a low spot. I can totally relate. Is it Deepak Chopra that says that all great things are preceded by chaos, right? So yes, it's, it's absolutely true. I'm sorry. Go ahead and go on. You have a great no, story. And, and so, you know, I just do. I remember this moment of like being on my bathroom floor and just almost in a fetal position and just thinking, I, I don't even... Like, it's so, so hard to live my life. Like, I just don't even know how to continue in this. And then I remember, and a lot of people talk about situations like this that happened to them. But honestly, there was like this little ball of energy inside of me that said, you will not give up. You will not. And what I did was a number of things. Of course, I sought therapy. I got medication that helped me. But more than anything, I really dove into the personal development field. And I found that I was so lit up by everything that I was reading in that field. And I started to like implement my learnings into my life. And so I tell people that for the past 20 years, I have studied and researched like anything I can get my hands on that teaches me how to live my very best life. And that learning, you know, along with the other things that I've done, honestly, Amber, 
it sounds cliche, but like I wake up every single day and I am so excited to live my life. Like my life is of course got challenges in it, but because I know how to incorporate happiness habits and make it a practice in my life, like life can be so very good and there's hope for all of us to find that within ourselves. Everything you just said, 100%. And bring on the cliche, but it's so, so true. You know, I went through those times in my life too, where I felt so, so dark. And those of those of you that are listening that know me personally, I've had some really dark times. And I think, you know, it just, it takes going through that darkness to really get you to a place where you're like, I can't possibly go any lower. And what was really hard too is, uh, you know, I said it yesterday in my episode about my personal story is I have had it a fraction as bad as some people have had in their life. And so there's a whole nother area where you're like, how can I be so ungrateful for all of these things that I have and be so unhappy? And that just takes you to a whole nother level because you're like, not only am I super depressed and unfulfilled, but I have so much to be grateful for. What is wrong with me? I am right there with you with uh, the reading and the listening and just the research into happiness. Um, Gretchen Rubin, The Happiness Project, just that was the beginning of my head first dive into into self-help. Um, Tony Robbins and, you know, Stephen Covey, all of the yes. greats, all of the greats. So yes. I totally connect with you there. So I'm really curious if you don't mind me asking if you had this, you know, this anxiety and um, panic disorder as a teenager, I, I did read that you actually went to college and, and quit and came home. It For me, I just could not, like, when I was in the midst of all of that darkness, and I tell people, like, when you know darkness the way that I've known it, and you're right, Amber, even the way I've known darkness, it doesn't compare to somebody else's darkness. But that doesn't really mean that it's any less or any different because it feels like we feel the pain of that. So like even like comparing it to someone else's, it really, it, it matters in that it gives you perspective, which is great. But the bottom line is pain is pain. Despair is despair. Disappointment is disappointment, you know. And so how do we like acknowledge those feelings, but then also be able to reset ourselves in a way to absolutely be able to see the opportunities that are out there for us. And so I just remember like, you know, I, I went to college, which like I couldn't even hardly be away from my parents' house because if I had a panic attack, I needed my safe person, which was my mom. So how do I literally drive 60 minutes to college, which was so difficult. How do I stay in a place where not my safe person isn't around me? How do I get up and walk to class when I don't know from minute to minute if I'm going to feel like I need to be rushed to the hospital because I don't know what's wrong with me, you know? And it got so bad that I just surrendered it after a year. I just said, I cannot do this. And I went back home and I started to work as a secretary and like, for me, it just felt like, again, who I was on the inside was not matching the limitations I was having to perform under on the outside. And it just crushed me. Like my self-esteem was at an all-time low. And I guess there was just like this thing inside of me that kept saying, you will do this. You will go to college. You will get that teaching degree. 
And what I guess I learned is that in order to do that, I had to be able to walk through my fears. Like I could not outrun them anymore. I could not say, I'm not going to go to Walmart because I'm going to feel fear. I'm not going to do this because I don't want the possibility of a panic attack arising. And then what I started to do was I started to say, the only way you come out on the other side is if you face the fear. If you allow yourself to have it and you feel like you might die, you feel like you might be raced to the hospital, you feel like you might have a nervous breakdown, you feel like you might. But I guess you're just, if that's what happens, then that what, that's what happens. But you're going to get behind the wheel and you're going to go anyway. And even today, I still have to sometimes self-talk myself like that. But people sometimes say, Kim, how did you launch your own business? How do you get on a stage and do this? And I just say, like, when you know fear as intimately as I know fear, then my golly, you know how to walk through it. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me about, you said that you uh, dove into the uh, the self-help, the personal help books yourself. So can you tell me a couple of those people that you, that you read and that you maybe you currently follow now that keep you inspired? Right now, one of my favorite people is Sean Aker. He wrote The Happiness Advantage and Before Happiness. And I absolutely love so much of what he has to say about, you know, well-being and happiness. And it comes right out of Harvard University's research. And it's based on 10 years of experience. And it's been very eye-opening to all of us. So I love him. I read, um, of course, I love The How of Happiness by Sonia uh, Lubomirsky. Just read that a few years ago and just lit me up. I'm trying to think like way back, I do remember, and this is going to kind of take us in a spiritual direction, but one of the books that was, that found its way on my lap 15 years ago, which was an absolute game changer, was actually called The Law of Attraction. And it's about basically how your thoughts, you know, coincide with the universe and that you really have this amazing ability to not just dream the life that you want for yourself, but to actually make it happen. And I think I read that and I started to see that actually I am a key player in my life. And I, if I'm willing to stretch myself, if I'm willing to take risk and I'm willing to take big, bold leaps, then there's this like magical energy that is ready to come along the ride with me and will carry me there. I love that so much. Kind of digging into your own personal beliefs and deciding what it is that you that you want to do with it. You know what I love most about the suggestions you just made is that none of them were written for teachers, but they are so so inspirational to just to the person. They can be so applicable to our daily lives. So, I mean, there are so many books, so many great educational books, you know, written for teachers. And, um, but I find that a lot of them, uh, and this isn't to overgeneralize, but a lot of them just continue to tell teachers what they have to do. And, you know, sometimes I think that we lose that, you know, tell us what we can do for ourselves, you know, not what we can continue to do for other people. And, you know, that gets kind of lost in it. And I don't believe it's selfish to read books about what you can just do for you. So I'm glad you shared those with us. Thanks so much. So for all of those burned out teachers that are listening here, if you could tell them 
one thing that they could do to start to step out of this burnout, what is it that you would tell them? And maybe it could be two things because I know you have a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's where I feel, you know, really heart centered right now is that we've kind of been led to believe that the harder we work and the more that we do and the more that we can achieve, or if we can even climb the corporate ladder, not just in education, but really all across the board, then success is on the other side of all of that. And what we now know is that is completely backwards. That actually when we get our well-being in check, which means we get our brain at positive versus negative, neutral, or stressed, that we actually become 31% more productive. And so what we now know is if we can get your well-being in check, then success is on the other side of that. And for me, this is just a real personal calling because I I work with teachers all the time who are in such distress, distress. They are so overwhelmed. They are so exhausted. And what I'm finding is that it's very difficult for them to show up, not just professionally, you know, in a positive mindset, but it's really kind of stealing and taking away their personal lives as well. And they're losing their joy in that. And so one of the things that I teach teachers is you aren't selfish for putting yourself first. And that is a hard pill to swallow, especially for women, right? So like women were told, you know, a couple of decades ago, like, go out into the workforce and get a job and work full time and, you know, have a career, which, of course, I think is super empowering. But at the same time, it's killing us, especially women, I think, but we have men who are extremely stressed out too. But it's almost as if women have gone out and gotten careers, but they're still still the ones that are responsible for the household, right? They're the primary responsible ones for cleaning the house and taking care of all the chores and raising the kids. And not that we don't have some super dads who jump in there and help, but what I find is that women especially are just really distraught over, I can't get a handle on all of this and I'm not really sure what to do. And here's what I tell all people. What you can do if you're a parent, a teacher, whatever, you need to put yourself first some of the time. You really do. Because when you do that, you make you make everybody else in your life better because you have a better version of yourself. And so what that means is I think you need to get your butt out the door at 4 p.m. on most days. I think you need to leave things undone. And I think that's going to feel anxiety-ridden and that's going to feel uncomfortable. But if you really want to take back your personal life, which you deserve, then you need to get out the door and you need to move on to your, you know, get home to your children, get home to your family. But you also need to say, sometimes I come first. Sometimes. Sometimes I have to take care of me, whatever that looks like for you. For me personally, it means I'm going to exercise five days a week. I'm going to get a massage every other week. I'm going to have my meditation practice in the evenings. Like, I don't know what it takes, but you deserve that time. And I, a lot of times have people who are are scared to do that for themselves. I'm so, so glad that you brought up leaving by 4 p.m. because I actually put that practice into my teaching um, two years ago because I finally said to myself one day, enough 
is enough. And you know, at first it was a little bit anxiety ridden because I felt like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get all this done by tomorrow? But you know what it really caused me to do was reflect on how I was spending my time during the school day and what I was spending my time on. So it really caused me to seriously reflect on the things I was doing. And I kicked a lot of stuff out. And you know what? My kids were just as successful. And it turned out that a lot of that pressure I was putting on myself was self-driven. So yes. I'm really glad to hear you mention that, Kim. Well, yes. And I'm actually pulling up right now. I wanted to read this quote for all of you because I think like it's it's really important because sometimes, you know, I just, I feel like we struggle to do that. Like if I, like I have a friend who came up to me and she said, Kim, I've only, I've always been highly effective every year. And this year I decided that I'm not going to stay till six o'clock at night during the week. And I'm not going to miss my kids soccer games on Saturday morning so that I can be at school preparing everything I need for the next week. And she said, you know what happened, Kim, is I ended up getting just the effective rating this year. And I guess I'm going to have to go back to being highly effective. I'm going to have to go back to spending that time. And I just had to have like the smackdown talk with her. I had to say, don't you dare go back to spending all those hours just so you can go from being effective to being highly effective, because I'm going to school you on this. You need to be okay with effective. You need to be okay with effective if it means that you get to go to your kids' soccer games and that you get home by 4 or 4.30 in the afternoon every day to be with your family. That's what I need to get you okay with. And, like, I feel like sometimes as teachers, like, we just have to be given that permission. We have, Like, I feel like I have to give teachers permission. Like, it's okay to be effective. It's okay to leave things undone. And it's okay to leave your classroom at four o'clock, because if you can do that, you're actually going to be a higher functioning person in all, uh, all other areas of your life. And for that, you will be grateful. Well, and I was just going to say, you know, I would ask her, would you rather be marked a highly effective teacher or a highly effective parent? Because I'm sure, you know, she took that quote unquote mark down as a teacher um, but she's marking herself way up as a mother and, and just, uh, just a human outside of school. You know, that's something I like to tell teachers too, is you're not just a teacher, you're a human being. And you've got to remember that as you, as you're going through your day. I, I love that. And I actually, I want to read this quote that I kind of, you know, live by. And it says, no more giving whatever it takes but giving what I can give within the context of my health, within the context of my well-being, my finances, and my family. And I really think that teachers need to adopt that philosophy. Like there's, the trophy is no longer for those who have completely exhausted themselves. Like there's no honor in that, really. It used to be, but we now know better. And so we have to do better. You are absolutely right. So, Kim, I want to ask you one more thing. Where is it that teachers can find you, learn more about you? 
What is it that you have to share with these educators to help them to reach that goal as a highly effective human being? Well, okay. So there's a couple of different websites. We have stroboleducation.com. And that's all education-related things. So like on there, you can see the upcoming workshops that we're giving. I'm teaching Growth Mindset and Genius Hour this fall. Several locations, Indianapolis being one of them. Um, And so when you go to that website, you can actually sign up to get our newsletter. In our newsletter, we give away a lot of freebies. I tell you about upcoming opportunities. But the other thing that you get is I send what I call a joy drop every other Thursday. And it's a little email that lands in your inbox that contains a happiness tip or an inspiring story or a struggle that I've had. I just wanted something for teachers where they could just open their inbox and it's not anything related to education but it's a pick-me-up, you know? And so you can go there. You can also go to kimstrobel.com, which is my happiness coaching website. And then I created um, a special private group on Facebook that's just for teachers, and it's called the Teach Happy Tribe. And in the Teach Happy Tribe, what I'm hoping to do is just really gather a tribe of educators who are passionate about their professional lives but who also are ready to embrace their personal lives as well. I love that so much. So I will put all of this in the show notes and I will also share your Facebook group with my Facebook group. Maybe we can cross pollinate a little bit there. (laughs) I I would love to do that for each other. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I will tell you everybody, I do get Kim's happiness drops and they're they're amazing. And like she said, you know, just learning a little bit about other people's struggles. And that's really the main purpose of this podcast is hearing that other people have had struggles in their lives that we can relate to help us to feel normal. And also hearing those, you know, those pieces of passionate information that help us to to know how people have pulled out of it is just, it's so helpful. We're going to go to the burned and teacher lightning round questions before we sign off for today. Um, it's kind of like a this or that. So it's just quick. I'm going to ask you three or four, just this or that questions. So you just off the top of your head, choose the one that, um, that you feel you would choose if they were put in front of you. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. I think I know the answer to two of these, but we'll see. All right. Summer or winter? Summer. Okay. Cereal or fruit? Cereal. Okay. Walk or run? (laughs) Run. (laughs) I thought I'd know the answer to that one. And dog or cat? Dog for sure. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kim. I really appreciate your time and your clear expertise on happiness. Wow. There were so many great things to take away from this interview with Kim Strobel today. So I'll just take a couple of them and you can just listen to this episode a couple more times to let everything that she said sink into your brain. My main takeaway from Kim today was that you are not selfish for putting yourself first sometimes. She said, no more giving whatever it takes, but give what you can give within the context of your health, within the context of your well-being, within the context of your family and your fitness. What a great quote to live by as a teacher. Listen, you are doing what you can with what you have where you are. And you have to say enough is enough. So my tips for you today are 
do some brain dumping. That means just write down every single thing that you're afraid of or that has been weighing on your mind as far as taking control of your time and your happiness. And then talk about it. Talk about it with your spouse, your coworkers, your friends, and brainstorm a list of things you can do to defeat that fear. You've got this. We're here for you. Join our Burned In Teacher Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Burned In Teacher and tell us what you're going to do to defeat your fear today. I'll see you tomorrow for one more daily episode of the Burned In Teacher podcast. But until then, take a deep breath. You are your own hero and you just took one more step into becoming a Burned In Teacher. Burn on. Burn on.